0: Psalm 69, verse number one. Save me, O God, for the waters are come into my soul. I sink deep in mire where there is no standing. I am come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary of my crying. My throat is dry. Mine eyes fail while I wait for my God. They that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of mine head. They that would destroy me, being mine enemies wrongfully are mighty. Then I restored that which I took not away. Verse 5, O God, thou knowest my foolishness and my sins are not hid from, the, from thee. Let not them that wait on thee, O Lord God of hosts, be ashamed for my sake. Let not those that seek thee be confounded for my sake, O God of Israel. Father, I pray that you'll bless the reading of thy word tonight. I ask you to give us liberty and help us these next few moments, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to preach tonight on this subject, on he doesn't throw the clay away. Amen. I'm glad he doesn't throw the clay. Away, When you come to Psalms chapter 69, this is a psalm of uh, credited to a psalm of David and some believe that Jeremiah wrote Psalm 69, others believe that David wrote the uh, Psalm 69. It is titled a psalm of David, so we will go with that tonight, but it is a messianic psalm, meaning that uh, in this psalm, it's really more about David's greater son being Jesus than it is David. When you think about the, the verses, and we certainly didn't read all the verses tonight, but if you go home and read these 36 verses, what you see here is there's more verses in relation uh, to Calvary and the Lord Jesus Christ and then what there is in David's life. Now, in fact, there's not even a part uh, in David's life that really fits into this psalm, but David, you do have to remember, uh, David was a poet, but David was also a prophet, amen? And David, in his psalms, many times that he wrote, uh, whether he did not know that, but through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, jotted down verses as well as others uh, uh, in the word of God that was prophecies that would soon uh, uh, be fulfilled in the life of Christ, amen? So what you have in Psalm 69 is you have in the first 21 verses uh, a clear picture of Calvary and then in verse 22 down to verse number 28, you've got a picture of Christ coming and the Armageddon and then the final verses of this Psalm dealing uh, with that of the millennial age, amen? But there's the practical side and the the practical side is that of David. I'm glad we can look in the word of God and though we see the practical side, I'm glad our Bible, uh, we can also see the prophecy, amen? In this Psalm, I can see Jesus, uh, I can see the man, and then I can see the man David, amen? You know, that's just like in our life, when people look at us, uh, they ought to see more than us, they ought to see Christ in us, amen? And in this Psalm, we see David, and then we see the son of David, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. So really. Uh, That would be two different sermons uh, uh, that could certainly be preached. But what I want to deal with tonight is basically uh, concerning David himself. Because in Psalm 69, when you think about David in this psalm, uh, uh, David is a man in verses 1 through 3 who is overwhelmed. It's very clear to see. As he said, save me, O God, for the waters come into my soul. He said, I sink deep in mire where there is no standing. I am excuse me, come into deep waters where the floods, excuse me, overflow, uh, Me and so uh, we see David here in Psalm sixty nine that he is overwhelmed. And you think about in our life, there's a lot of times in life uh, when you and I have been overwhelmed. And so David is overwhelmed in verse number three. David says, "I am weary of my crying." He said, "My throat is dry. My eye is, my eyes is uh, fail while I wait for my God." And certainly David uh, is overwhelmed. But not only is David David overwhelmed, but notice with me also, in verse number four, uh, that David, my friend, is outnumbered, as he says, they that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. In other words, David said, I got more enemies uh, than I know tonight. You realize that if you count the devil, and you count the flesh, and you count the world tonight, and you count all uh, all the hosts of hell, you and I have more enemies than what we would ever know, And it is the grace of God and the mercy of God that stands between us and those enemies tonight that keeps us and salvages us. God has done more miracles in our life than we will ever be able to see in this life. It'll take eternity and a spiritual eye and an all-knowing mind to ever really be able to comprehend how much God has taken care of us tonight. Amen. And so David is overwhelmed and then David is outnumbered. But then I want you to notice in verse number five that David is outcast. As the Bible said, "O God, thou knowest my foolishness and my sins are hid from thee. Look at verse number eight. He said, I am become a stranger unto my brethren and an alien unto my mother's children. Look at verse number nine. He said, for the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up and the reproaches of them that reproach thee are fallen upon me. So David is an outcast. Uh, He is over Overwhelmed, he is outnumbered, and he is an outcast. Is that not a picture of Christ at Calvary when Jesus hung on the cross? When you think about the sins of our, all the sins of humanity, they did not overwhelm the Savior, but they were overwhelming sins when you think about that. And Jesus Christ was certainly outnumbered, and he was an outcast even amongst his own brethren, even amongst his own people, just like David. And so David realized, he here that he is an outcast but when you come to verse number 30 look at the very last verse David said the seed also of his servant shall inherit it and they that love his name shall dwell therein you know what David is saying here David said I was in the beginning he said I was overwhelmed he said I was outnumbered he said I was an outcast but in verse number 30 in the final verse he has overcome amen in spirit in spite of himself and in spite of his sin, God has helped David to overcome. I'm telling you, why didn't God just throw David away after all the sins that he had committed? I'll tell you why. Because God don't throw the clay away tonight, amen. When you think about where you and I are at, many times in our own life, we've been guilty of the very things that David talks about. Brother Laddie mentioned it also, As he talked about, oh, Paul said, oh, the wretched man that I am. Tonight, we've all lived wretched, haven't we? We've all said and done things that we wish we wouldn't have done. I know you say, well, preacher, I have not committed any deep, dark, gross sin. And while that may be true, all sin is deep, dark, and gross in the eyes of God. I think tonight, people that are right with God, they see themselves as they really are, just as he testified earlier. We never see ourselves to ever measure up. David couldn't get past himself, and David couldn't get past his sin, and that's a good thing in in David's life, and it's a good thing in our life. But when we come to this psalm tonight, David also talks about his suffering in the early verses of this psalm. And what he wants to point out is that sin brings suffering into our life. Do you realize tonight that if you get out there and sow your wild oats uh, and you live your life in sin, uh, it's just going to bring havoc and turmoil and heartache in your life. Uh, When people get away from God, their life does not get better. It only gets worse. Amen. And can I tell you tonight, young people, if I had any advice for you and I do tonight, it would be this. Uh, Live for God all the days of your life. Sell out lock, stock, and barrel. Make serving Jesus the number one priority of your life. Uh, And don't settle for anything less than that. If you do that, you'll never be sorry. But if you live for yourself and you live in sin, you'll not live a good life, you'll live a wasted life. Amen. Don't do that tonight. David says sin brings suffering. To us tonight that have been down life's road a little bit longer, we ought to remember that as well. We say, well, preacher, I didn't sow my wild oats. I didn't live out in sin in my youth. And that's wonderful. David didn't either. It was when David was older that David sinned. Well, that's a reminder to us tonight, isn't it? Doesn't matter how long I've been serving God. Doesn't matter how long I've been saved, Brother Jack, I still live in the same flesh tonight. David's suffering. He tells us that in verses 1 through 4, it came, his suffering came as a result of his foes. In verses 5 and 6, it came as a result of his own flesh. In verse number 8, it came as a result of his own family. In verse number 9, it came as a result of his own faith. Because of the zeal of thine house, he said, hath eaten me up. I want to tell you. Something tonight, suffering comes into our life uh, in many different areas. Uh, and if suffering's going to come, I don't want it to become. It come into my life because of something that I have done. I would rather suffering be providential. I would rather it be something due uh, to the sovereignty of God working in my life. Uh, I don't want to suffer, but I don't want to lay down at night and have to be tormented by the thoughts uh, that the suffering in my life uh, is because of the seeds that I have sown. Amen where David's at in this psalm David the mighty warrior for God David the sweet song David the gentle shepherd David the mighty king all the titles that David wore but also David the great sinner tonight sin ought to scare every one of us to death I want to tell you the suffering that sin brings is beyond what we could comprehend tonight that little thing that we hold on to that little thing that we refuse to let go of could be like a snake you know tonight it wouldn't it wouldn't take a big snake to kill you in fact, they'll tell you that smaller, uh, little snakes that are not fully grown are more venomous and they're more dangerous than, than large snakes because they can't control that venom. And when they bite you, they have no way of controlling it. So they release more poison into your system. I want to tell you something. It's the little foxes, the Bible said, that spoils the vine. We may not drink and smoke and chew and run with those that do, but I'll tell you what it could be tonight. It could be bitterness. It could be anger. It could be jealousy. It could be malice. It could be something within in our heart, it could be worldliness, it could be anything in our soul tonight that could eat us from the inside out like a cancer, that could bring suffering and agony entire life. Oh, think about that. I know people whose lips never touched alcohol, but they've drank the cup of bitterness all of their life, and they have been destroyed as a result of that, and it's brought much suffering into their life. I know someone tonight that has nearly lost their entire family because of bitterness. Nobody can stand to be around them because they're so bitter at life don't let that be you tonight, don't let that be me David's suffering and then David's supplication, one of the things that happens in this psalm here and I know that we're covering a lot of verses in this psalm but if you go to verse number 13, one of the things that happens in this psalm is that as a result of it, it drives David to his knees and he begins to pray, he said but as for me, my prayer is unto thee O Lord, in an acceptable time O God, in the multitude of thy mercy. Hear me in the truth of thy salvation. Deliver me out of the mire and let me not sink. Let me not be, uh, let me be delivered from them that hate me and out of the deep waters. Let not the water flood overflow me. Neither let the deep swallow me up and let not the spirit uh, or let not the pit uh, shut her mouth upon me. Hear me, O Lord, for thy loving kindness is good. Turn unto me according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Do you see David is praying here? We see his suffering, but now we see David's supplication. God will use anything to bring us closer to him. God would rather use his word. He would rather use his promises. He would rather use his blessings. Amen. The Bible said the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. God would rather use his goodness, amen. But if he has to, he'll use his chastisement. He'll use uh, suffering. He'll use pain. Uh, He'll use storms. Uh, He'll use trials but he'll use all that he needs to in order to bring us closer unto him. Sometimes trials come and it doesn't mean that we're in sin. But we always know that, don't we? The Holy Spirit will tell us when he's chastening us. David in this psalm realizes that the suffering that he is receiving is because of his own sin and the result of that is David is praying. David is seen here in this text as a man of pain but he's also seen as a man of prayer. I want to tell you tonight, trouble will cause us to pray. Isn't that right? Trials will cause us to pray. Suffering will cause us to pray. Only a fool will take suffering and not use it as a tool to bringing back close to God, but I've seen some people like that. Listen, their stubbornness, their self-willed, God would just begin to try to work on them and things would fall apart and you would think they would wake up and see the big picture, but that pride would step in and they would just keep charting on down that course. I want to tell you, my friend, it only gets worse the further you go and it ends in death and in destruction. And can I tell you tonight, my friend, we ought to use the problems and the pains of life I have to cause us to pray, amen. God knows how to humble us. He humbled David, didn't he? You talk about getting blindsided. Nathan comes in. You know, that's the way preaching will do sometimes. It'll just, I mean, it, it, it just, I don't want to just keep referring to Brother a uh, 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 testimony, but it's right on target with the sermon tonight. Amen. He's talking about sometimes you go along thinking you're doing pretty good. And then you'll read or the preacher will preach a sermon and boy, I mean, it'll just hit you. Every sermon I've ever preached to you that hit you, I promise you, it hit me twice. Amen. It hit me when I saw it the first time and it hit me the second time when I had to preach it. And that's just the way preaching is. And I'll tell you, Nathan walks in and tells David this little story about these two shepherds and about this shepherd and about this little little shepherd that had this little lamb and and how that this one stole that little lamb and oh, David's blood began to boil. You know why? Because sin blinds you to your own sin and it lets you see everybody else. Everybody else is the problem, not you. Everybody else is the one that's done wrong, not you. And David's blood began to boil within him. And he said, that man will restore fourfold uh, and he said he ought to be killed uh, I'm going to tell you something I'm glad we're not God aren't you uh, had David been God that day he would have killed his own self took his own life uh, but God was more merciful than David but God said I will tell you what David the sword will never depart out of your house uh, and David wept many tears uh, at the edge of that sword uh, and can I tell you something about chastisement there is mercy there is forgiveness uh, but there's always the consequences won't people to forget that in life? You get out there and live in sin, you get right with God. it costs you. And it may cost you the rest of your life to get out there and sin. You may get out there and do something that looks so fun, looks so pleasurable, but you ought to ask yourself this most important question. Will it be worth it in the end? Would it be worth it? Hey, I'll tell you, there's, there's men that have cheated on their wives and got out and committed adultery. Was it worth it? No. For your children to look at you differently, for your wife to be brokenhearted and live her life and, and, and always with the, the insecurity the rest of her days, was it worth it? No, it'll never be worth that. He said, Well, preacher, don't you think somebody that commits adultery can get right with God? Sure they can. But the Bible says, the Bible says this, that the reproach will never be taken away. I'm telling you, listen, if I pray to God, it's one of the big I don't it's one of the biggest fears I have. I don't want to fall. I don't, wanna, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to get out and sin. I don't want to be left alone where there could be some temptation. Come my way. You say, Don't you trust yourself? Absolutely not. I don't trust this flesh. I don't plan on being unfaithful My wife, I don't have no plans of cheating on her, but I'll tell you something tonight. This flesh is capable of anything and I don't want to put it in the devil's crosshairs tonight. I don't want to let opportunity and temptation meet. I want to just stay clear from that and run scared from it the rest of my life. You know why? Because greater men of of God than I'll ever think about me have fallen prey to that sin. David was a man after God's own heart, but he suffered the shame of his sin, amen, tell you what's wrong in our churches today people sin and they listen they, they, they want forgiveness and thank God you can have it but they don't want the shame that comes with it and nobody's ashamed of nothing anymore y'all still with me out there I'm telling you people sin and here's what they do they want everybody just to act like nothing ever happened and then I'm gonna tell you something sin has a reproach you know what a reproach is it's a scar it's a stigma I'm telling you you get a scar on you and listen, you, you you can do the best you can, but it's gonna be there. Some scars are gonna be there the rest of your life. And Can we just face the fact some scars are really, really ugly, aren't they? They heal and, and the wound closes up and there is healing, thank God, but you gotta bear that scar the rest of your life. I'll tell you tonight, young people, don't you scar your life up in sin. Don't you get out there and wallow in sin. You better listen to your pastor. You better listen to your parents' You better hear what I'm saying tonight. Don't you get out there and wall around with some, w- some girl or some boy and wreck and ruin your life. Don't you scar your life up tonight, amen. amen. And that goes for moms and dads tonight too. Don't scar your life up tonight. You'll bear that the rest of your life. I think about preachers tonight. Oh, my soul. I think about men of God. I think about men that have stood in this pulpit. men man called me the other day said, did you, did you hear about so-and-so? I said, I, I knew all about it. But I ain't told anybody about it. And he wasn't gossiping. He was concerned. But I said, I hadn't told anybody. I'll tell you something. You get to the place where the lady gets so sickening. I just don't even want to tell nobody. I mean, it breaks your heart And you don't even want to share it with nobody else. Why tell somebody terrible news? They'll find out sooner or later. But I'll tell you something tonight. The devil's not playing games with us. It's not just a little Wednesday night Bible study tonight. I believe the Holy Ghost is trying to send a warning out. Sin is like a rattlesnake, friend. It'll bite you and You'll never get over it the rest of your life. You say, Oh, preacher, I've got them scars. Well, thank God there's mercy. Thank God there's grace. Thank God there's forgiveness. What I'm trying to do is not punish if you got the scar. I'm just trying to wave a flag tonight because I think the Holy Ghost wants me to to keep somebody else from going down that road. And God, tell you, I, I mean, if I had a scar tonight, Brother Danny, and I knew that there's something, I, I, a mistake I made, a sin I committed, if I could keep somebody else from getting that same scar, I'd be a fool not to try to keep them from going down that same path. I, I'm here to tell you tonight, uh, listen, uh, you better hear whatnot. I'm saying, but listen to the Lord tonight. Don't scar your life up. You can never get it back. Went to school with a girl, and she had a scar on her face. My wife knew her, and people made fun of her. And I'll tell you something I never, and it wasn't because I was a good person, but because I had a handicapped sister. It used to bother me when people would make fun of that girl because she couldn't help it. And I'll tell you something, man. While I'm on the subject, y'all never make fun of people. You hear somebody make fun of somebody, y'all rebuke them. is that right? Christians don't make fun of people. is that right? You never know what they're going through. I remember the story one time a preacher told in our Christian school a 10-year-old girl took a pistol and blew her brains out because she got tired of going to school and being made fun of. Well, you never know what you say. Put a deeper scar on somebody than than a a switchblade or anything else ever could. David, it's the sin. I, I won't finish the sermon tonight, but let me say not only David's suffering and David's supplication. I would preach the last point David's song, but I really think God wants me to just say something else about this and be done tonight. God lets you be in a good church. Even on a Wednesday night, hear a message. It's not my preaching, and I'm not saying my preaching's worth anything. I'm saying look beyond tonight. I'm going to tell you, it's the mere mercy of God. They would let you hear something other than just a dead, boring, dry Bible study on a Wednesday night. I came just to preach a psalm, brother lady. I, I thought I'll, I'll highlight this psalm, give a few thoughts about it tonight, try to be a blessing, and, and, and God just let me see some things that I didn't see in the study, but he let me see them here, and I've got enough sense. I don't know a whole lot, but I've got enough spiritual sense to know that's him doing that, not me, and that he's wanting to say something that I didn't see. He's wanting to send a warning out. You young people listen to me tonight. You better take it to heart. I, I don't care how many young people down at the schoolhouse. I, I don't care how many young people in a youth group. I don't care what friends, I don't care what family members, I don't care what some lost uncle or some lost aunt or some lost cousin tries to pump in your mind. You better run from sin. Listen, you better run as scared as you can. You better mark that relative that's always wanting to pull you to the side and take you down the wrong road. You Listen, they're not your best friend. They're not the, they're not the, the coolest uncle or the coolest aunt or the coolest cousin. No, they're the weapon the devil's going to use to wreck and ruin your life is what he's gonna do. It's exactly what it is. And when I was growing up, I remember, if you went to the movies, you wasn't right with God. I still believe that. He preached against going to the movies. He preached against going to the prom. He preached against going to the dance. They preached against alcohol. They preached against liquor, amen? Isn't that right? And they preached against gambling. And people said amen when they preached against it. They preached against not dressing right. Amen. They preached against taking your clothes off and and, being, and running around naked. Amen. They preached against long hair on men and short hair shaved up on women. Amen. I remember all that. And I thank God for it. And it didn't make me mad. I, I thank God it helped me along the way. That's right. Still right tonight man ought to look like a man woman ought to look like a woman yeah, right. young lady ought to look like a young lady amen even on these beards they ought to look right is that right I don't care if you can put a ponytail in it I don't care if it's here or here amen it still ain't right I'm not against the beards you know that I'm not going to grow one don't know that I could not going to try but for all you guys with beards out there, I'm not against that. But I'm against all this Duck Dynasty beard stuff. Are y'all still with me out there? You know what I'm talking about where they grow it down here and it, and it looks just plum nasty looking to me. Does anybody other than me think that look nasty? If you think it looks nasty, say amen. A young boy came up to me, he said, you're against beards? I said, he's coming to Jubilee. And he said, you're against beards? I said, I'm against that one. I said, if you come, take six inches off of it. That's right. He said, you serious? I said, it's a blood clot. Amen. I told him, I said, I ain't using you with that, with that looking like that." He said, what did he do? He cut six inches off of it. Amen. And when he came, I said, you know what? You look better than you've ever looked. If you take a little more off, you'd look a little better. I just preach They preach against men wearing necklaces. I liked it.
1: Bracelets are for girls, not not boys. I'm in
0: the wrong crowd. I'm preaching that to the wrong (laughs) crowd over here. They're for girls, not boys. Isn't that right? You don't have to wear a tie. I'm glad y'all got ties on, but you look nice tonight for church, and and that looks good, and and, uh, y'all be careful with all these haircuts too. Amen. Don't get these... I don't know why I'm preaching all this, but I'm glad. Y'all glad. They shave the side of your head off and grow the part. I mean, that just looks queer to me. Does that look queer to y'all? I'm going to tell you something. Don't let your son dress or get a haircut that looks like it. Amen. That's right. Keep them clean. Keep them right. I see these boys running around with them haircuts and their hair's hanging down over their eye and they got it shaved up. I'm going to tell you something. Brogans and Brogan's a buzz cut's the best thing that ever happened to a 10-year-old. Amen. Isn't that right? Didn't mean to preach all of it, but I'm glad God gave it to me tonight. Hey, God help us today. No wonder our young people's in a mess. You teenagers, you got no business having a cell phone. I'm going to tell you why. Adults can't hardly handle them. They'll ruin you. They'll ruin you. There's people out there, they ain't nothing but vultures. And the minute you get one, they're gonna hunt you down like a bloodhound. And you can't stop the garbage, the trash, the perversion that they're gonna run through that cell phone. I'm telling you tonight, stay away from it. Stay away from all of it tonight. I tell you, the choir sung that song, Turn the Tide. I wish God would turn the tide in the hearts of another generation, I know none of them got mad tonight. The question is, did any of your moms and dads get mad? If you did, y'all you get right about it tonight, because I got your best interest in mind. I care enough, and I didn't come to preach any of that. The Lord put that on me tonight, but y'all to do something about it. Y'all have some conviction. Don't don't jump on everything because everybody does. And I think parents. We got some good parents. I'm not fussing at y'all, but I'm, I want you to hear me. I think my generation and 10 years under me has about got as bad as the teenagers. Well, Jason, they, they're more influenced by other people than what that crowd is. Don't let people decide who you're going to be. Let that book decide who you're going to be tonight. Amen. Let's stand tonight. I just want to just want to do anything and everything I, the Lord would have me do to keep you from going down the wrong path tonight. My brother, Brian sings, if you need to come, you come.